Welcome to the AEW Investors Call. As a reminder, all lines are muted. If you would like to ask a question, please click star 69 on your telephone. I will now turn the call over to Josh Nason of Wrestling Observer and Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics. Please go ahead, Josh. Well, it is that time of year. Now, by that, I mean it is AEW season. It is Q3 season. It is time for the AEW Q3 Investors Call 2023. The tradition we do, typically the week after what it is now, TKO earnings call. And uh, it used to be WWE, of course, but uh, a much uh, toned down TKO call we had last week. And now we're doing our... AW call, which is, you know, we don't have the official numbers, but, you know, hey, we spend so much time talking about AW. We look inside the, the business metrics and uh, do what we do. And this is the uh, third edition of this. And of course, joining me on this journey, as always, the man himself from WrestleNomics, Brandon Thurston. Brandon, say hi to the fine people. Hello. The the, the AW shareholders are here. They want answers. They do. Um, there's, as we're recording today, there is a Tony Khan media call scheduled for like one hour after we're done here, uh, or maybe immediately after we're done here. He, he doesn't know that that is actually the earnings call. Correct. Correct. Yeah. It's, uh, I, you know, I was hoping to maybe, perhaps maybe get him on one of these calls at some point. I just don't know if we get the straight answers, but uh, we'll, we'll try to press to get something in uh, just about two hours' time for when we're recording this. Yeah. So, and, and there's no, you mentioned TKO, there's no WWE uh, KPIs anymore either um, that's right we're, yes we're providing the aew kpis today uh, i have formulated them with what data what scant data is available to us <laughs> so those are there i think i need to start making w kpis now because the the ir the investor relations website from wwe no longer provides us and tko does not provide us with kpis key performance indicators for wwe but we have some we have plenty of tv ratings data and we have uh, WrestleTix providing us with powerful data about live events. Yeah. And you and uh, John Pollock on uh, Pollock and Thurston recent episode a couple of weeks ago, did a great job recapping the call and essentially how there really wasn't a lot of information given. And that may be our new reality is, you know, yes. being on these WWE calls forever is trying to get, you know, things like attendance. And uh, I always like the things of like comparing, Core, core, how many events they run inside North America, outside North America, the average attendance, uh, there's merchandise number. There are all, all these little things. If you really dug deep uh, past the, you know, some of the key highlights and things like that. And, you know, in terms of this last one, granted, there's only a couple of weeks of data, but there just wasn't a lot of data at all um, to really kind of glean anything from. And, you know, usually even on the investors call, you would get, and of course it was heightened by, um, uh, the interest in the WB sale and TV rights and all that stuff. Yeah. There really wasn't a lot of like WB specific info on the last call either that could change over time, but you know, with no Nick Khan or anything like that, I, you know, I don't know. I kind of fear that we're in the very boring uh, investor call mode when it comes to us uh, at TKO in the future. Unfortunately, they are at least breaking out like that. This is the WB segment. This is the UFC segment. So they're being clear about that. I was worried. Maybe it would just be, yeah, this is the media revenue for both of them. And we're not going to tell you, 
you know, what portion is WWE, what portion is UFC, uh, but they are explicitly breaking out four segments for, this is so exciting, four segments for, for WWE and four segments for UFC, which are media, live events, consumer product licensing, and sponsorship. So we get those four segments broken down for, for WWE and those four segments broken down for UFC. But I think it's just a, a result of WWE becoming part of a larger company. So you have to b- report what's material for investors to make a decision about how valuable the company is. And when WWE is part of a larger organization now, there's just less specifically about WWE that is material and that you know, arguably needs to be revealed. Yeah. Let's in, get into some uh, material information for what we have for AEW. And again, this is uh, look back at July, August, and September. These are numbers that we know they're reported on by you know, a variety of sources to the extent we can get them, but also he's mentioned WrestleTix, great information source for um, for tenants and all that stuff. So let's uh, get into some of the uh, overall key highlights from uh, this Q3, of course, leading off a topic you've talked about, AEW All In. Talked about that quite a bit. And now it's the tenants of uh, over 81,000 paid fans, 81,035 paid fans at Wembley announced by uh, Tony Khan that night, did not announce the overall total attendance. You uh, did some great sleuthing and Talking with local government, and they had a number of 72,265 in terms of, of paid attendance. And uh, this is a, a big question in terms of for, for a lot of people, they just, there's a Pruder film. They really want to get down to who is in that building, where are they sitting, and all that stuff. Uh, uh, over 10 million gate, we never really got a exact amount. We do to get uh, news that uh, All In was returning to uh, London's Wembley Stadium in uh, August 2024, of course. The major announcement recently, and we'll talk about that during the Q4 call, <laughs> it's, uh, was that uh, tickets were going on sale uh, in uh, in early December. So, yeah, this was, uh, I mean, obviously, the attendance debate aside, huge financial win for them and a huge uh, milestone for them. I don't know if the momentum really continued past all in, but in terms of a... a uh, I'd say a top five company moment, maybe in top three, this has to be right up there. A company that didn't exist four plus years ago, give or take, being able to put on a show at uh, at Wembley Stadium and then put in this many people and have that gate, that's uh, that's significant. I think that can't be lost in all the, the uh, attendance debate. Sure. I mean, in, in AW's case in general, I mean, to go back to like early 2018 or something like that and to imagine that there would be a wrestling company that would be on major cable be on TNT and TBS every week, multiple shows per week um, would be not, not uh, coming that close to what WWE is doing, but, you know, say even coming half, a uh, half as close uh, to WWE's viewership as it is. Um, and, you know, signing a lot of the major stars in wrestling and motivating wrestling companies to bid for talent, to pay talent more. And uh, the notion that all in would even do 10,000 was, a novelty and uh, something that you know people doubted until the, the tickets sold out in 20 minutes or whatever it was in uh in summer of 2018 uh but the notion that there would be you know within i guess what was five years from then uh, a company that would pack a stadium with um at least seventy thousand people uh, <laughs> in it uh yeah. i think people would have laughed at that yeah. Uh, they would have laughed at you about the the notion that there would be another major wrestling company because no, WWE is so big and the, and the cost of, of entry and and the feasibility of getting TV is basically impossible. This will never happen. What do you think some observer reading person is going to come up with a billion dollars in connections to a TV executive to make this happen? That's ridiculous. 
but it happened and it has happened and um $10 million is a lot of money. It's more, more money than is in my bank account right now. So that's pretty good. The um, I've been, the timing of the on sale is interesting because it's so far ahead. And I wonder where, where, I mean, we'll find out in a couple of weeks. Obviously, you know, the story of part of the story of this quarter was every time they would announce uh, every week, every a couple of days after the on sale, the number just go up and up and up. It just became a snowball. In terms of the amount of people, the revenue, all this, we're what nine months away, give or take, from uh, from this now, and tickets are going to go on sale in a couple of weeks. And I wonder, I think the narrative kind of helped grow in the positive for this year's All In. I wonder if tickets are not as uh, robust selling, if that is any type of detriment at all, if that feeds into a a further negative that the uh, or narrative that AEW is, is kind of a a lukewarm promotion right now. I, I'm, is AEW is dying? I mean, it, it's it's almost dying. I think. I mean, one one more. Uh, I mean, one more Jeff Jarrett match. I mean, who knows? The thing could be could be done, or a Paul What's, White match. Who knows? What's David Zaslav going to do? Um, no, I, I think the, the ticket sale is going to be way lower for for the second all in. Um, what drew that event was the novelty. Of two things that were a novelty is AEW's first stadium show, and it was AEW's first show in the United Kingdom. Um, in hindsight, I think they could have done a, you know, a first show in Canada uh, at the Rogers Center that would have packed the Rogers yeah. Center in Toronto uh, if they so choose chose. Um, but I think it's you know what's a good over under maybe you know forty thousand or something like that. I you know I, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but and is it going to feed into a narrative that things aren't going? It, it depends on what the number is. If it's well under, let's say if they've only got like twenty thousand out, I guess after couple months that's that 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 probably doesn't look good um will it feed into a narrative to the extent that that those things matter uh, sure yeah it will uh do do those things matter i don't i don't know um sort of sort of i think there's there's something to a media story and fans who are really plugged in informing other fans who are not as plugged in about what what the vibes are uh the wrestling business and how wb is kind of uh started to expand out in Europe in their own right in terms of major events, you know, with uh, the new um, the show in Berlin that was announced. And also just today, uh, yes. they're heading heading to France for Backlash. So they are certainly, and they're not running stadiums. They're running, you know, big arenas, which is interesting. But they are, they are certainly having a more concerted effort over there, which is, uh, it's interesting because obviously that did, I don't know if it's fully because of AEW, but it's certainly, uh, it, it'd be a, Interesting coincidence, put it that way. Yeah, I mean the the timing of the Berlin show is, I think, about a week away from the all in date in twenty twenty four. Um, is that an accident? I don't know. Is that a contributing fact? I mean, I, I I would objectively look at it. Right? I I would look at what WWE's doing in Berlin as like, okay, th- this is a, an opportunity to run a really lucrative show where we'll probably charge really high ticket prices. Um, it'll be good for other reasons. Maybe there's a site fee involved. I don't know. Um, and if it harms our competitor, oh, that's that's another good reason to do it as well. It might be a contributing factor. And I think it is a it is a benefit to to, w, to WB that they're going to do that show as close as they are uh, to to all in. Um, I almost want to say maybe there's a synergistic effect in in terms of getting more traveling fans vested in, oh, I can go to a WWE show this one week. And then the very next week, if I'm going on like a, a you know, one or two week vacation, I can go to London as well. Um, 
but it, it's probably not a, a positive for AEW. I, I would I would think, especially considering this is not such a high demand event as the first one will be. First one was. And of course, uh, I, I had the section overall highlights as always with AEW's peaks and valleys. I wouldn't say a highlight would be the end of one of their uh, their top stars, if arguably not their biggest star. Uh, CM Punk, his run came to a unceremonious end uh, following the events of All In, where uh, he and uh, get into a backstage skirmish with uh, Jungle Boy. And uh, then I, I was sitting, uh, I think it was a week or so, a couple weeks after, something like that. I can't remember the dates at this point. I was at a uh, a, a brewery that was uh, closing down its final day. And I was sitting there having a, a beer. And then also I looked at my phone and got the alert that CM Punk was uh, no longer in AEW and uh, finished up and headed home to, uh, to to jump in on the story. It was a, uh, a quite I, one of those kind of, I, I, after this whole ordeal kind of the thing, I'll never forget where I was and just that. Wow, it's really over. Uh, terminating his contract with Cause, it was on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, he addressed Tony Khan addressed the firing both on Collision, on TV, and also to the main uh, main crowd, uh, leading in in the Chicago crowd. So, uh, yes. good good on him that he was he wanted to get out there, and uh, this was where he brought out a chair, right? Almost like he wanted to sit and just have a a counseling moment with the fans, right? Didn't he bring out a chair for that? It wasn't televised, but I remember just seeing yes. the pictures. Yeah, but but. But nothing that happens in an arena doesn't make its way to social media some way. Sure. Um, yeah, that was that was a choice. Um, some people appreciated him doing that. I I think that was not the best way to to handle that and to encourage more booze. Um, but I it's it seems like there's been less drama and less of a of a you know. Oh my God! What's 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 happening in this this high school drama backstage at, at AEW since Punk has been gone? Um, it's really unfortunate that Punk could not get along with everybody better, um, and it's one hundred percent of the fault probably does not lie with him. Uh, but it's it's there's a lot of money that was left on the table um, in terms of big matches that just that could have happened but never yeah. happened. Um, Punk and, and Omega is one. Um, Given the drama, there would have been great money, obviously, in, in Punk doing something with the Bucks. Um, but it's it's to the detriment of, of AEW that he's not still around. Um, and it's one of the reasons why, as I'm sure we'll get to, some of these these KPIs, one of the reasons uh, why some of these KPIs uh, are are down as much as they are. And some of you mentioned some of the tumultuousness backstage. I mean, we learned all kinds of stories afterward, like... You know, wrestlers being booked and sent home from collision shows. Uh, there was a confrontation with Ryan Nemeth uh, in June. Uh, there was the uh, comment that um, uh, Punk made after, I believe, a collision uh, trios match with FTR, where he mentioned uh, kind of a verbal shot to Hangman Page, uh, and then some about action figures and things like that. Again, it wasn't televised, but everything makes its way to social media. If that became a thing, it, it sent an apology text for that. And then there was the again the confrontation uh, that we learned about the whole the use of uh, Jungle Boy's desired use of glass uh, in a spot. Of course, Jungle Boy then at the All In uh, said that that's real glass, Crimea River, which led to the skirmish backstage. We have not seen Jack Perry since, as he remains uh, suspended indefinitely from AEW as we sit here mid November. And uh, there was a report out there that Punk does not plan to sue Tony Khan. There's a lot of questions about uh, basically what could happen afterward. We still haven't really heard from Punk outside some uh, some fun comments uh, during uh, regional MMA promotions uh, that he uh, he does uh, some commentary for for um, 
a CFFC, I believe. But yeah, we haven't really heard, got the, uh, I almost dated myself and said the Donahue sit down or thing like that. We have not really got the, uh, the full kind of like telling his side of the story. I assume someday we will. And I would be curious. And I think someone's asked this of Tony Khan a call before and didn't really get a straight answer. Big surprise. But what did he learn over this last September to September from a leadership position, from a, a business decision? What would he have done differently? Um, I'd be very curious to know on the truth serum if he wished that he had sat all these parties down prior to all out of 2022 and said, let's see if we can figure something out. So we have some, some harmony here. And if that would have changed things, I just, I just wonder what he learned from that experience and, and, uh, that year is a tumultuous year. I said, you keep using the word tumultuous, but as someone like yourself that follows the news and all the stuff going on, it was, uh, tumultuous and, and chaotic when he returned and, and, uh, not a, didn't see the, and to your point, I think it's a more happier environment, more successful. I don't know, but it seems to be a more, uh, happier environment now. Yeah. I mean, to lead a wrestling company of the, the type that AEW is with a lot of wrestlers who are getting paid a lot of money, who are very, well, most of them are, are very ambitious and want to succeed and they want to you know, be on the top of the card. Um, that requires exceptional leadership. And you know, Tony might be a, a good leader, but to control and harmonize all of those egos and all those competing personalities, it takes an, a really exceptional leader. And ultimately, he's the CEO, and some of that responsibility goes to him. Um, I asked him so, several months ago, you know, is there anything you've learned? Yeah, this was while, while Punk was still on hiatus. I asked him uh, what That's he That's right. Learned. It was you. Yeah. That, well, okay. Yeah, I'm not yeah. the only one. It's, this is a question that was asked again some, sometime later. Um, sorry, I, I can't place it, but it was. I remember him being asked again. Um, when, when I asked him, he went on like an eight-minute response, and somehow it, it resulted in a, in, a, in a tangent about the Jaguars somehow. Um, so I imagine he has learned, learned something, but, it, but we don't <laughs> – he will not articulate what it is yeah. um, apparently. So – other, and and, and spe- speaking of his of, of punks, um, punk being gone, so he made some comment on an MMA broadcast that made it sound like maybe he has a non-compete. I asked Tony; he didn't want to, you know, answer it, but um, maybe it's a ninety-day non-compete. So I think he was let go on September second. I mean, that's when it was announced. Uh, so ninety days after that would be December second. So he might not even be legally able to work Survivor Series, which I don't, I highly doubt is going to happen. You know, there's speculation that it will happen, but I think there's smart speculation that it will not happen. Um, he might not even be able. Now, then again, it could just be a 60-day event, and maybe that's what his comment was alluding to. But, uh, but yeah, that it's uh, it it could be up to a uh, a non-compete uh, agreement that was part of his separation. And conversely, uh, the people we're just ta- talking about who he got any fight with the elite officially re-signed multi-year deals with the company. I don't know if that had changed, if if Punk was still going to be in the mix or not. Or actually, no, sorry, the, the Elite were there. While, sorry, Punk was still there while the Elite had signed their deals, if I remember the timing right. And he, yeah, so Omega, the Bucks, and uh, Hangman Page, uh, officially in the mix for, for quite some time. So I think that was a, had they, had WWE signed them, or had they left for WWE, I, 
I don't think it would have been the death knell for the promotion. I think that would have been a, a pretty tough look for more of their founding members. I mean, to leave, especially, you know, Cody leaving was a huge thing and had a nice, you know, nice swing for WWE. But I think with the elite, these guys are kind of synonymous with the the style of wrestling and just that. I, I think that would have been a pretty big deal had they left and would have left a pretty huge gap. I don't know necessarily if they're really, you know, driving numbers or things like that, but you know, I, I think there's a there's a certain kind of like certain people you associate with these promotions. And I think, you know, them leaving would be a uh, I think that would have been a big blow for AEW. Yeah, I think it would have been a bad thing for their brand. I mean, it was to, to that extent that that's what it was for uh, when when Cody left. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, when you've called your company all elite wrestling, you've used uh, one of the words that are you know very very much associated with them. Um, that that would be bad. Um, now there's still so the Bucks, Matt and Nick and Kenny Omega are all EVPs. I believe this included Adam Page though too. Yeah, man, Adam Page mm-hmm. um, who's not an EVP. Um, do we know? I, I've I've been struggling over these four, past four years to understand what exactly their duties and responsibilities are as far as <laughs> their their roles as corporate executive vice vice presidents. Um, I gather that Kenny Omega is involved with the video game, which has now been released. Um, I understand he was agenting early on. He was agenting some matches, especially women's matches. I don't know if yep. that's still happening. Um, you know, it, it is said that the Young Bucks are great locker room leaders. Uh, I don't know what they do other than that, though, as far yeah. as being EVPs. Yeah, in WWE, it's pretty clear what they have. You know, they have a traditional corporate structure, and it's not that hard to kind of figure out who does what because they don't shy away from it. There's not a, yeah, there's not really a list of like responsibilities or things like that. And I remember when, um, I don't know which press conference this was at but i think it, it might have been it might have been full gear last year uh i think con was asked if the guys are still or it might have been a conference call are the guy are basically when they resigned or sorry when they came back from the suspension are they still evps and he said he basically said yes and i think he's been asked kind of what they do or is anything changing again it was just a you know the plinko style answer where the thing goes this way this way this way this way it's like i don't get any answer <laughs> you know so yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what they do because I don't think they're, you know, they're not booking towns. You know, I don't think they're booking arenas or things like that. I don't really know what they do. As far as far as their EVP roles, yeah, nothing has changed since their suspension. They're still right. But doing... if you remember, you remember last year, I think it was last year, it might be earlier this year, when they uh elevated Tony Schiavone and um yes. QT Marshall and mm-hmm. a few other guys, and they had that press release, it was very clear responsibilities. Mm-hmm. But they have not ever done that with the Jacksons and Omegas. Maybe it's just ceremonial. I don't. I don't know. I get the impression that early on in AEW they were more involved in meetings and things like that, and they have since been less involved uh, in in the things that they were involved in before. So I, I gather that I think that they are just pro, just wrestlers and they are EVPs in name only. Um, I'm sure Kenny was deeply involved in, in the video game along with others. Um, but primarily, I think they're just wrestlers who have EVP titles. That's part of the the founding of this company, which was very much reliant on their involvement. And then uh, the other kind of big highlight before we get some of the uh, the quick hit bullets, uh, Wrestle Dream was announced another pay per view for October. Something that uh, Tony Khan leading in, so it was the end of an era. And of course, we thought, I think it's assuming he's talking about Adam Copeland sign, but also the end of an era in terms of 
Uh, no more like quarterly pay-per-views. We're going every single month as we're going to be on this call for full gear. We have uh, all in, all out, Wrestle Dream, and uh, full gear, and then uh, worlds, coll- uh, worlds collide, worlds end at the end of the year. So they are, they are now uh, pun fully intended, all in on monthly pay per views, and that's a increased uh, potentially increased revenue source for them. And I wonder if it if it helps give them a better sense of what their value is going to be as they try to figure out where these next media rights, if they're going to try to get the the UFC deal, where essentially. Um, WBD or some other suitor uh, wants to just buy the whole thing and decide kind of how they want to distribute with pay-per-view streaming, that type of thing. If they're trying to help kind of establish that baseline, um, that would seem to be a good reason to, uh, in addition to the revenue, it'd be a good kind of, you know, wh- how, how much of our, how much of our fans are really willing to spend some money? I'm, I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah. I mean, when you're, he, he, he pushed back on the last earnings, earnings call, last conference call <laughs> about, the notion that he was actually going to do pay-per-views monthly. But, but at, at the same time, he made a comment saying that he doesn't think anybody who is any, any major promoter who has ran more pay-per-view events has regretted it. Um, but I do think they're going to do it in almost monthly. Um, I don't know what they're going to do in January. We have Revolution, which is the next pay-per-view that we know of happening after World's Quad at the end of the year. So yeah. that's, do we have a, there's no date for revolution. There's no date. It's assumed just, I, I think the only reason we assume it's March because it's always been in March for the most part. And because Ric Flair during his rambling uh, AEW promo with Sting uh, mentioned March. And that seems to be kind of the thought of maybe that that's kind of where it is. That's why I assume it's going to be. Yeah. So we'll see if there's anything in January or February. Um, but one of the, the big things that they have to offer here in terms of a next TV deal it's not just, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why they should get a lot more money than they currently are from WBD. Partly it's because of the the viewers that they're delivering um, relative to the amount of money that they're getting is much lower than w, what WBD is getting. Um, even, you know, adjusting for viewership, they're, they're delivering about half the viewership of, let's say Dynamite is delivering about half the viewership of Raw, um, but it's getting, you know, a quarter, a sixth of the money, something like that. So that that gap has to close a bit. Um, we can try to parse and debate about what what's collision really worth at this point and what what rampage is worth. But those are those are shows that exist. Some rights though that don't exist that aren't being used at all are the next day rights. There's no place to watch Dynamite, Collision, Rampage the next day if you miss it other than your DVR. Um, Hulu has those rights for WWE, so those seem to be valuable rights that just aren't being used. Maybe Max can can buy those rights for some price, along with the library, which has no home, um, along with maybe pay-per-view rights in some form. Whether that means we move away from a la carte, you know, uh, you know, upcharge pricing for for pay-per-views where we actually do charge you fifty dollars uh, every time, or if it becomes part of a, a monthly subscription plan, uh, who knows. Um, but those are those are elements that just have not been sold, have not been – the pay-per-views ob- obviously are monetized, but the next day rights, the library, they have no home. Those are just assets sitting there that have not been monetized at all. So that along with uh, the notion that they're well underpriced relative to the, to the viewership that they, they, they deliver uh, are reasons why they should get a big upgrade and maybe a big enough upgrade. So that AW can be profitable. So technically, so I so I can get dynamite 
on demand if I, some reason I miss it. So the next day rights is do they haven't really monetized it in that right now you can just get them on demand the next day. Is that like through the TBS TNT app? Uh, I get them right through my, so I have a breeze line, uh, which is a cable mm-hmm. internet provider. Yeah. That's how I'm able to get it. Cause some day, okay. there was a case a couple of weeks ago, my DVR didn't record it is it. on my sling. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just curious. Maybe, so they really, maybe they haven't like parsed that out into a, a valuable, a value add, well, I guess maybe. And I think you can do the same for WWE. Um, but I mean, that's a good point that if you do have traditional cable, you're not, you know, it's, it's, and you didn't record it on your DVR. It's not like you can't find a way to, to watch your cable providers probably offering you a way. The, the way that they're not reaching people who they could is, you know, people who don't have a cable subscription, but might have Hulu or might have Max and they, they could be reaching people that way. But uh, yeah. So we'll go over a couple other uh, highlights here before we kick into some other uh, questions and KPIs and so on. So uh, AW Programming, uh, they signed a deal with Mexico's VIX streaming service to return as part of a Latin American Caribbean streaming deal. As always, uh, no money was announced. Uh, AW Rampage has 100th episode and Dynamite has 200th episode. The company held its third ever Grand Slam event in uh, Queens, New York. So that annual tradition continues. We'll see if that becomes a a pay-per-view at some point. If they do the scheduling again with all in to all out and and Grand Slam's a lot in a short amount of time, maybe there's another way I they don't can think that could be a pay-per-view. That would be like three pay-per-views in four weeks or something like I that. I just I wonder if they move it or if there's a like yeah. or if he's just so stuck in the way like it has to be during this time. It's just a he loves those traditions. He does. He do every, Russell James do it every year. Yeah, it's oh. a lot to pack in for you know big events in in a short amount of time. But uh, company announced debuts for Montreal, Memphis, as the amount of uh, cities at least in North America where they could debut in kind of starts to whittle down and down. Uh, Blood and Guts had very strong attendance in Boston, Massachusetts. Much thanks to myself. Uh, no thanks to Jesse Colling. So I did not believe uh, I did not see him at the show. He decided to uh, to no show. Yeah, he no showed. Uh, he was invited. He was uh, encouraged to go. Yeah. I think I even. Yeah, I think Russell Thomas was going to see about getting him a secondary ticket on the on the secondary market, but he had he, I think he had work, he had real work to do. Unbelievable. Uh, AEW issued an update list of banned and approval required moves. Got some uh, some people talking. Of course, Tony Khan later said the updates more of a guideline for referees than anything else. But uh, I, I include that because again, a big story with AEWs is the amount of injuries. We'll get to that in a minute. But trying to, uh, you know, I this happened earlier in the year, and then I watched the uh, the video game uh, match last night, the sponsored match, and there was, you know, that was just insanity. So, so I try to keep people safe and all that stuff. It's, uh, you know, there's, there's, I don't know if it actually is helping at all. Uh, I include these two things in here: severe weather interrupting a battle of the belt seven broadcast feed, and then uh, there was uh, technical issues. You remember on uh, a dynamite during. the the uh the time when uh during audio this quarter issues. audio issues yes. tony kind of apologized there was more uh it's just one thing that kind of stuck out just more kind of things that you don't see in uh, other broadcasts that seem to affect them um for whatever reason it's just kind of a uh it's something i i just noted i don't think it really means anything but you know it's just kind of interesting uh along the way uh yeah, adam i, I think they, they gave the impression now they would never want to place the blame on their network which is not. their most important. They Oh my God, Mr. Zaslav, he's amazing. <laughs> but I think they were kind of saying it's out of our hands. It's, I, I, and I believe that that was the case, that it was a network issue. And it was not, not, not to say that there aren't other production issues that may be their responsibility, but, on, but in that instance, it sounded like it was a network issue. Your son's effing killing it. 
That's right. <laughs> the classic Tony Khan quote with uh, his dad meeting uh, Zaz for the first time. Uh, MGF and Adam Cole, their T-shirt hit a, uh, a 2023 AEW sales record. I assume that is probably still the case now, that that was the strongest selling T-shirt in uh, AEW for the year. AEW, uh, I, I include this uh, AEW tape collision after Dynamite in August, and then they announced a special Friday episode of Collision for November, which is coming up this weekend. That uh, this is kind of the first signs that Collision wasn't necessarily going to be cemented in in that same spot every single Saturday night. That preemptions and moves and and uh, may not necessarily be live every Saturday. Um, it hasn't been the uh, the the majority, but you know that uh, it, any AEW show could be moved at at any time depending on kind of what the needs of uh, TBS and TNT are. Full Gear was announced as heading to Los Angeles. Of course, that's happening this weekend. Uh, this is what I included in here because I was interested both from a sponsorship angle and also from the the, uh, the charity angle. Uh, AEW donating the Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, video game sponsorship money. They sponsored this match between Jeff Jarrett and uh, Jeff Hardy. I uh, gave that to the Maui Food Bank. I believe the donation he said was about $100,000, if I remember right. I don't know. I was thinking about this the other day. They they never reveal kind of what the sponsorship um, cash they get from these video games are like the one from last night, uh, the one from this, and I I I found it hard to believe it would be a six figure deal for whatever reason uh, that maybe ta- Tony kind of kind of added some money to sweeten the pot, but we don't really ever hear of like major sponsorships or anything like that. Like with the DraftKings deal, you know they have DraftKings like dollar amounts. No, dollar, dollar amounts. Yeah, we we've never got any. WWE never gives us any dollar amounts about anything ever either. Like the but TV they, deals. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, but they at least will put a release or they'll tout it and say you know their sponsorship numbers are up or at least they used to are up x amount percent x over percentage. That. They yes. at least talked about like oh that's a thing. AEW has not done that yet. No. Why is that? You think? Hmm. Is that just a public relations like they 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 haven't you know set the strategy to let's have public relations put out stuff like that. I mean, WWE has made a, an, an effort clearly in the last year or two, to, especially when, and now the business has been, you know, there have been really favorable comparisons in the present versus the past to, to be able to say, wow, we are, we're X percent up in viewership on this PLE on Peacock, even though Peacock has basically doubled in subscribers over the last year. Never mind that. Uh, but, but ticket sales were way up. We broke our gate record, which you can't really argue with. Um, I mean, there's some inflation stuff in there that I can muddy the waters with, uh, but 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 no doubt ticket sales are are doing really well for WWE and sponsorship is way up and, and all of that. Yeah. Um, but I think I mean I don't know very much about what, what they do with with PR. I mean, obviously they're handling media interviews and, and giving people access or not access to to whatever talent or, or personnel. Um, but maybe there's something to to be said about their their PR strategy and communicating things that are positive news. Uh, more yeah i mean they do have a former longtime wb exec and av hopkins i think heading up the show when it comes to pr now so that may just be an oversight maybe something that's been suggested that tony Khan doesn't want to do but yeah the the business aspect has not really been brought up in terms of sponsorship so maybe something to kind of look out for the future uh cash wheeler was arrested for aggravator assault with a firearm uh he still did make his all-in dates and as we sit here in mid-November, uh, it really hasn't affected anything. So just kind of a footnote. And then, uh, sure, big money. Uh, Chicago Bills uh, legend Dennis Rodman appeared on an episode of AEW Collision and then appeared uh, the following weekend at All Out. So uh, the legend's still coming in. They're still Mike Tyson not taking that money, but Dennis Rodman certainly did. So, yeah, it's uh, 
big, uh, big deal there. Um, I want to go over the total events for the quarter and then we'll kick it over to you for some KPIs. We'll talk about that. So 13 live uh, dynamite slash rampage tapings. I had, we had 14 live episodes of collision slash battle of the belts slash rampage, depending on structure and, and all that. There's also three pay-per-views uh, during this time frame. We had all in, we had all out and then ring of honor. Remember them uh, death before dishonor as well. But that was in uh, July. So um, the pay-per-view buy estimates for all in is about 187,000, I think was kind of the last number I had seen. All out was around 95,000 estimated and uh, death before dishonor. There was uh, no real numbers on it other than uh, that I could find other than uh, Dave Meltzer saying at one point that the TV buys were down to the extent that, you know, that matters with a show like uh, death before dishonor. But um, yeah, all eyes were so good that, that it's exclusive to honor club. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, all in obviously a huge success Um, uh, factors on the afternoon Obviously, the spectacle of it add that, but of course, you know, going back to back weekends, um, you know, that number dip. But you know, I think you know, you combine those numbers, I think AEW would would definitely take that. Certainly, uh, with all out, not the uh, you know, 140,000 this shit they were doing before. But I think if you combine those, they would. I think they're probably pretty happy with that. But I guess we'll uh, we'll see in the future. To the point, to finish your point, I probably didn't finish making earlier. To this, if you're going to do more pay per views, I don't think that's that's a bad thing. Um, doing monthly pay per views is fine, um, as long as the content is good. You know, I, I if you can, there's a risk. There's a there's a, a challenge that comes with doing a third TV show and doing twelve pay per views a year instead of four. Um, but if the content is good. You know, this is this is the, the Dave Meltzer, Paul Bosch advice. You can come up with a million reasons why something didn't work out because the you know, the weather was bad and there was another another sporting event, you know, down the street. And, uh, you know, you can come up with a, a lot of reasons. But if the content is good, if it's good enough that people want to pay to see it or spend their time to watch it, um, it'll probably be OK. And it'll probably in this era where doing more content leads to a lot more revenue. Leads to growing your business. Um, it'll probably work out. Um, so if the content continues to be good and the pay per views, I mean the AEW pay per views among among all all else, we talk about all the problems that that people have with the content in AEW. It's mostly the weekly TV, uh, but the pay per views continue to be more often than not uh, some of the better pay per views that have probably ever happened. Uh, so I think they'll be okay with pay per views for now. Let's uh so for those that uh, are WrestleNomics subscribers, which you all should be, five dollars a month, go to WrestleNomics.com. Subscribe now, get uh, exclusive audio, uh, exclusive content from uh, one Brandon Thurston, and all types of good stuff there. You should check it out. You will find right on the main page there. You'll find the AW quarterly KPIs, uh, key performance indicators for those that are scoring at home. And you want to go uh, into this? Is want to start with the, uh, the 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 U.S. viewership and some of the things you glean from this and go through stock. Sure. So we have total viewership, and guess what? Viewership is down. Uh, Dynamite is down in the quarter, Q3, 11% uh, from from last year. Rampage is down 20%. Uh, this is total viewership. Now let's 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 compare it to some benchmark, and I've got the data from. Oh, we've got to rely on spoiler TV data, which is basically publishing the same data as Showbiz Daily was. But but we're looking at the cable originals for TBS and TNT adjusted for duration and that's actually up three percent in total viewership in this period so 
the cable networks that they're that they're airing on doing a little bit better than they were last year, despite Dynamite and Rampage doing worse. Is anything better than the demo? No. Uh, the demo is down 14% for Dynamite. The demo is down 19% for Rampage. And the demo is down 2% for TBS and TNT cable originals. So you can say what you want about cord cutting and people watching traditional TV less. Um, these these are deltas that are more negative than I think can be accounted for by you know changes in, in behavior. Um, that that is a these are genuine negatives. Um, should I stop there at the TV ratings? Yeah. So with that, I mean, I, I, I think you kind of illustrate the point that the, and then again, these are year over year and the reason collisions aren't in there, obviously they're not in their first full year yet. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's undeniable. There's just it something and has driven off uh, a decent amount of viewership. Um, again, that, that momentum from all in just did not carry over. In fact, it, it, it got, worse in terms of the uh in terms of the uh the viewership and, and all that and i it's uh we'll go into attendance but i think you know attendance and live events there's a you know there's a story to be told there as well so this is data from wrestletix estimated tickets distributed not necessarily ticket sales but these are the number of tickets that have been out probably pretty close to what the paid plus the comps would be um the most stable metric here to look at is I've averaged all the dynamite tapings and looked at those by quarter. So what we have here in Q3 is the average tickets distributed for dynamite was 4,900, which is down from last year's 5,700 for Q3, uh, which is down yet again from 2021's 6,900. Um, and this is, it was down in Q2 also, um, but it was up in Q1 from the prior year. Uh, but this, so I guess, is what you could say. This is the second quarter in a row that that the year-over-year -year comparison for the average Dynamite tickets out is negative. Um, in terms of total tickets, though, total tickets distributed, well, it's through the roof. 209,000 <laughs> tickets distributed. It's hot. What are we talking and, about? We're, we're wrong the whole thing. We just stop recording right now. And this is driven, if, if I was writing an SEC filing for AEW, I write that this change is primarily due to uh, the increase in the number of events they've done because of collision being added. There's two events per week now. This is the first. So Q2 had it did mostly have collision in it. Uh, collision started in the middle of June. Yes. Uh, yep. So so at the very About tail six end, weeks or so, very tail end of Q2, right? Because Q2 would have ended June 30th. Correct. Yeah. So it would have been like what two weeks? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But Q3 had it in the entirety of the quarter uh, with collision in it. So a lot more events. We've got, what, 27 events in this quarter versus 16 events in Q3 of last year. So we've almost doubled the, the number of events, um, but obviously all in uh, with its, uh, I think Russell Ticks estimated it at 83, something like that. Uh, so that's, you know, I don't know, what what is that? Almost a quarter of this, something mm. something like that? Uh, no, more than a quarter. Anyway, it's almost, a lot. Almost, yeah. 83 out of yeah. 83 out of 209. Uh, is so if you it, and, and this is where we should really have that. Uh, oh, this is great. Uh, the, the stacked column chart, I should really bust out the stacked column chart. Don't know what <laughs> I was thinking there. Uh, where I can break out this is including rest, uh, all in and this is excluding all in. Uh, but yeah, obviously, that's overwhelmingly driven by all in and driven somewhat by the addition of collision to the, to the weekly schedule. Now, obviously, the since we don't have year over year data for collision, uh, do you have on the top of your head kind of what the average for uh, collision attendance has been? Uh, let me get into my spreadsheet here. 
uh, collision in the, we could say the quarter, which is probably probably what would be most appropriate here. Yeah. Q3, the average viewership was 505,000. 505,000 viewers for collision on average. That's excluding preemptions. That's only in the traditional slot, 8, eight o'clock Saturday. Uh, in the same quarter, Q3, 0.16 in the demo. 0.16 in the demo. Um, sequentially, you know, quarter one, one quarter to the next quarter, uh, it, it is down uh, continuously. And so far in Q4, it, it is down as well from Q3. So Q2 did 706,000, and that's going to be, you know, driven a lot by the early episodes, especially the first episode that had really high viewership relative to what it, it would do later. So 706 in Q2, 505 in Q3, and currently averaging 451 as we speak here today for Q4, which is about halfway over. Um, in the demo, it started out with a 0.27 in the demo for Q2. Again, Q2 is like two weeks of yeah. collision. Um, and then Q3, 0.16. Q4, 0.12. So we're continuing on this downward trend, facing a lot of WWE premium live events that have a significant effect, even when it's not airing head-to-head, even when it's it was on, on TV at 3 o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. People have gotten their fill of sports entertainment, and, and that, that extends to pro wrestling too. Uh, and it affects WWE, or it affects AEW Collision uh, quite a bit. And, yeah. and in fact, uh, oh, Collision going against SmackDown probably will have already happened by the time maybe people listen to this. Right? Uh, no, it should be, be uh, this is a preview for that. Oh, is it? Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, that's yeah. happening. The Big Friday night war. <laughs> Friday, yeah. I don't know. Uh, we need, we need a, uh, it's, it's probably going to be crushed. It's probably going to be, I mean, it's, it'll be a preemption and it's, you know, an asterisk and all that, but it will probably be the, the least watched collision yet. Be curious. Maybe the more curious thing is to see what effect it, it does have on SmackDown. Yeah. Um, my favorite term when it comes to uh, ratings is when uh, Dave said you have to throw things out like, oh, this you have to throw this one out. No, you have to throw this one out. You have to throw this one out there against top competition. Like at some point it is what it is. Granted, preemptions are one thing, but if they're going up against competition, I mean, that's just every night, every week is going to be competition. There's always something that some sporting event or something that, that people want to watch. It's hard to uh, you throw out everything. You only have about three weeks of data that matters. Yeah, I mean, the NBA, so Dynamite, we're now in the season where Dynamite's going against the NBA. That matters a little bit, but not that much. I mean, it's not going to make a massive difference in in the differences that we're seeing here. Like 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 year to year, we're seeing, I'm looking at a table that hopefully has the same deltas as our, as our KPIs where, you know, Dynamite's down 11%. Um, it's not down 11% because of the NBA. And in fact, we're looking at this year over year where in the same period it was going against the NBA. In, in Q3, it wasn't going against the NBA probably at all. Um, but Q3 is, I think has been a, a better time for them. Yeah. If, if we look at like 2021, Q3 was their all time high for average viewership with the average 1.1 million viewers in 2021 Q3. So they were away from the NBA because it's July 1st to, to September 30th. There's no NBA in there. Uh, so that, so there is an external advantage in that respect, but it, 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 it's easy enough to parse that. No, this is a genuine, this is indicative of a genuine decline in popularity for AEW. And then uh, YouTube views uh, were down to 191 million uh, for the quarter, down from uh, 219 the quarter before. And uh, thanks to, and well, actually MJF's proclamation came in Q4, but the uh, Google web searches were uh, were way up. Uh, what, what's going on here? Yes. Uh, 
MGF may or may not be a fan of uh, of, of Google Trends, apparently. I mean, <laughs> ju- judging by judging by that uh, that promo, um, well, I think what's happening here we have so as as you mentioned, so our index here, and by the way, this is just an index. Google Trends does not reveal any of their actual search volume, but the index is up, and and this is. I do believe this is, you know, this is related to there being more searches. And why were there more searches in Q3? Probably because of the drama in the news and especially the news of, of CM Punk leaving, um, which was in Q3. It was in September. So, yes. Um, and, and all the drama before and after. Um, so, you know, it's, was it up in, around the time of, of Brawl Out, which would have been Q3? No, it was down. Anyway, I think that's what's large. Well, all in, all in there, too. So, that was a big event that happened in Q3 and then probably contributed to higher search volume. Let's uh, all right. So let's flip back some other things as we uh, round the bend here. Uh, I put down IP and a question I've had for you for a while is, is AEW and I, I guess, I guess it's going to be kind of hard to tell until we're like years from now, but like, are they, are they amassing, uh, worthy IP in terms of like they have Wrestle Dream they have now uh, they have these you know things like Fight for the Fallen and Fighter Fest these special editions of Dynamite Winter is coming the Royal Rampage is back that's going to be an annual thing I was going to say so you have something here called Royal Rampage that's what right is that? that's right yes the um, uh, the annual Battle Royal to determine a uh, future uh, TBS or TNT title contender which they're going to do apparently because uh, they like to do the, he likes to do the double ring thing it's going to happen every year in July at um blood and guts so if blood and guts continues to be annual and all that and then the, the owen hart tournament that came back uh that was happening during this quarter as well so kind of kind of ip kind of a you know social thing whatever but uh yeah you know they're 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 trying to obviously create their every every week they create more and more history for themselves right and i think that's obviously a big detriment when people try to compare against WWE is you have one that has decades and decades and decades and decades of nostalgia, uh, intellectual property, memories, just this whole thing that they're going up against, history. Whereas, you know, AEW moments. has moments they have, or whereas, you know, AEW has a few years and kind of establishing these things. What what do you think just in general about kind of how they're amassing their uh, potential for uh, those moments in the future with like named events, uh, uh, you know, again, certain specific matches like Royal Rampage, things like that. Is there anything that's really that you think has kind of really worked for them? or will work for them blood and guts. That's another example. Sure. I mean, they, they've created a, a lot of strong branded events. Um, it's sort of in this threshold between where they're, you know, they've sort of created these souped up dynamite episodes like winter is coming, which I guess they'll, they'll still do, but will, will it be as big of a deal as before? Because they've got to load up other hype on uh pay-per-view events and there's only so much hype to go around. Um, I mean the, the the biggest events that they've done have have you know, I mean all in will continue to be a, a strong brand the the original pay per view brands will probably continue to be fairly strong. Um, I think there's you know there's a lot to be said around like WWE having an advantage not only in years but probably in years where developing IP mattered more. <laughs> like I, I'm really curious to see how this plays out in in, in media and culture in general. Um, in terms of whether really powerful intellectual property can be developed, you know, in the in the 2010s and in the 2020s, uh, you know, things that were created for the first time in those decades, will those be as memorable 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now as 
brands that were created in the 80s and 90s were. Um, I'm trying to remember his name. Oh, John Lovett. So I've searched it over here. John Lovett, who is uh, who created a who founded a podcast company. You can look it up. It's not important. He created a podcast company. He did an interview a couple months ago saying, you know, there's something around 2012 or something like that. And and I would point out that that coincides with when people started to have smartphones um, to a high degree that you know, it's, it's something about celebrity and fame where it's harder to become famous after that time versus before that time. Um, so I think it, it is becoming harder to create valuable IP after that time. I think some of it is just, and I think there's there there was a maybe a really solid window in terms of the 80s, 90s, maybe early 2000s in there. If you look at like I was pointing out like Bruno San Martino uh, is is a, is a legend to wrestling historians, but he's a relatively minor name compared to the other major stars like Hogan and Austin and Rock right. uh, of, of later eras, because I think there was just less decent quality video of Bruno San Martino to consume. Uh, and maybe he wasn't marketed in the same way that Hogan, Austin, and Rock were. Um, so I think he's a little bit before that window, and the Hogan, Austin, Rocks are are, are solidly in that window. So it'll be really interesting. To see. I, I mean, I don't. I would bet that it is going to be harder for whoever. I mean, Roman Reigns, I guess, would be someone who seems like the biggest star right now. Will he be the way we think about? I don't know. I don't want to say The Rock because The Rock has become a movie star. Will he be, you know, to the degree that we think about Steve Austin being a big star uh, 30 years from now? Uh, I tend to doubt it uh, because it's a little bit after that window. So how does this relate to AEW in that I think it will be another disadvantage that they will have relative to WWE in that they were not around in this prime window for IP value creation. God, is that, that's a great buzzword. Um, <laughs> Fly in the 80s. <laughs> the 80s, 90s, and, and early 2000s, they're coming after that. And they'll, they'll still create some valuable IP. But I don't know if if, if they're going to be able – I don't think they're going to have the same advantage that, that WWE did and the same, you know, the same the same level of effectiveness that, that WWE was able to create IP because they were doing it in an era where that was just easier. Different for uh, this time around. Add some uh, quotable quotes, some interesting things that uh... – Found throughout the uh, the month, the three quarters rather. Uh, Tony Khan, the AW locker room. I can't make everyone get along. Chris Jericho said the AW locker room was unfairly painted as a dumpster fire after all out. And uh, Tony Khan uh, also uh, not a direct quote, but named Brian Danielson as a person he would trust to put together an AW show if he was unavailable, got hit by a bus, that type of thing. So we kind of for the first time have a essentially a line of secession, if that makes sense. That if something was to happen. And it, who knows? It could happen. You know, Tony Khan does everything himself. Would Danielson be the one to take over? And he said he's one that, that would he would uh, trust the most. I think he, he mentioned he told Shad that uh, if something happened to him, uh, Danielson would be the guy. So I thought that was kind of no, notably not the EVPs, not the EVPs who have no, titles. No, interesting, right? Weird how that uh, how that works. Uh, Tony Khan again had the quote about you know AEW holds a record for most paid fans ever at the wrestling event. Uh, Cody Rhodes called leaving AEW quote unquote the easiest thing I ever did. Uh, CM Punk praised the collision roster, called the show a, a team effort. Young Bucks and re-signed with AEW. The votes did not line up every time. Tony Khan had responded to a Triple H calling uh, AEW a secondary promotion. He didn't seem to care for that. And he also said that his dream for the AEW library is to be available on Max. So, yeah, the, he, he wants to – he wants to – there's no doubt, you know, 
he would love to stay with WBD. And I'm curious if he, if he has someone, if he's going to handle the TV negotiations on his own, or if he's going to use any outside counsel, so to speak, well, to uh, well, the first time they they, they used AAM activist artist management, which I think is, is an agency that he helped found. Um, okay. Bernie Cajal is one of the primary agents who works there. He, he was involved in the original deal. Um, I expect they'll be involved again. Gotcha. Or maybe already have been involved in whatever is going on. Um, ultimately, he's the CEO, though. It's his decision. And this is certainly, I mean, it's it's the most important deal that they have by far. So I'm sure he will be he will be held responsible for its success or failure. Yeah. Uh, let's see, we'll go to some uh, notable signings and departures and uh, and some injuries. Uh, notable signings, of course, uh, we'll go through these. Sam Punk fired, the elite resigning. Jade Cargill departed the company during this time. One of uh, AEW's essentially a, a true kind of homegrown star slash talent who didn't wrestle before uh, AEW and got there and and uh, made a name for herself. And she has yet to fully debut in WWE but at this point, but she's uh, she's already there. She still has not had a match in, in WWE. What no, they? no. She just uh, has got out of cars, uh, confronted uh, several WWE superstars, if you will, Charlotte Flair and, and such in, in the back. Uh, Diamante signed a full-time deal. Brian Pillman's contract was done. Ian Riccoboni signed a multi-year deal. Roosh signed a new contract for what was called a quote-unquote insane money multi-year deal. Kota is funny that Kota Bushi signed a deal, except they just actually <laughs> that happened during this quarter, but they just actually officially announced it last night, saying he at the uh, the all elite tag. So perhaps he was on a short term deal and they gave him a longer one. I'm not sure. Uh, and he's on the roster page now too. He is. He's official. That's right. Yes. Uh, AW gave Scotty Too Hotty a producer tryout. Of course, Harrow was also full hired full time. Rob Van Dam was hired, uh, brought in for a uh, essentially a short term deal or. or Small amount of matches. Uh, Kip Sabian, Dark Order, re-signed new deals. The Boys re-signed uh, both uh, AEW and ROH contracts as well. Uh, Lana slash CJ Perry, she signed a short-term deal, according to uh, Tony Khan. She made her debut at All Out. Uh, Sonny Kiss's contract was not renewed. Christian Cage signed a new contract. A Steel was done as part of the CM Punk thing. Uh, Prince Nana signed a multi-year deal. QT Marshall uh, signing a short-term contract extension. I believe that was as a talent and not necessarily as a, a VP. I think they're keeping those separate. And then uh, Eddie Kingston uh, signing a four-year, new four-year deal with AEW. So, you know, not, obviously, you know, the punk and elite ones aside, I mean, the, the biggest name there is Jade Cargill leaving. And, you know, what she could do for AEW, uh, sorry, what she could do for WWE. And it's kind of, I, it's, uh, I'm interested to see how her post-AEW career goes because she doesn't have a ton of experience. But she's going to a place that is already, they've decided to not change her name. And they really, instead of the past where they're going to completely repackage someone, they've basically taken the character she built as just going to enhance it. Whether or not that translates to fans, I don't know. But it's a, you know, it's a, a blueprint. We saw how Cody, uh, Cody Road success post AEW win. We'll see if Jade's is uh, is as well. And and who knows, you know, whoever W tries to, uh, tries to sign after they leave. So I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Yeah, it's it's surprising that she she hasn't had a match yet. They've trotted her out on TV and made her look like a star, but and it's, it has been a while now. It feels like a uh, a car ride that was started without a destination, <laughs> really, really in mind. Um, but yeah, I I, I mean, it, you know, she it, it feels like she's she's well suited for WWE, maybe even more so than than AEW. So yeah, yeah, no no one really here under you know game changers. Lots of um, 
yeah, I think solid, you know, re-signings and, and, uh, yeah, nothing, nothing really kind of stood out, uh, you know, that Edge much we have after this quarter. Correct. Correct. That yeah. would just be a, a week or so after the new era was in, was next quarter. Yes. Right. Exactly. Like this is just all old era stuff. Old era. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, some notable injuries as always bandito out with a, uh, wrist injury. Mark Briscoe out with a knee injury. Brian Danielson underwent surgery for a broken arm. And he would return at uh, at Wrestle Dream, Scorpio Sky, Jamie Hader. Obviously, that I think affected their the both Anderson and Jamie Hader uh, being out affect their plans for uh, for All In because uh, obviously the plan was Danielson versus Omega Two, and then Jamie Hader obviously being a a local favorite that would have been a, a pretty big moment for her. And she was really just on the ascent, uh, and then got her shoulder injury. We don't know when she's going to come back. Sounds like early 2024, but uh, but who knows? Uh, Adam Cole uh, say he broke his ankle in three places and needed surgery after a essentially a freak accident at Grand Slam, where he was running down to assist MJF, jumped off the ramp, and uh, <laughs> just a uh, didn't look like that much, but he came up limping and uh, yeah, broke the ankle in three places. Uh, John Mox is out with a concussion, and Pac has been out for uh, quite some time. Uh, I think with undisclosed injury, he had to miss all in as well. So yeah, a few, you know, a few important pieces for them that have been, uh, were out of the mix uh, throughout the quarter, but you know, with, with Danielson and, uh, and, and Cole, that just seems to be kind of the, you're just going to run the risk with these guys that they're essentially they're injury prone freak injuries. But at the end of the day, these guys are getting hurt. It's kind of tough to to fully rely on them. Uh, Moxley obviously was kind of you know freak deal with getting a concussion in a match, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's hard for them when they have these plans that have to keep changing when their top guys keep getting hurt. Yeah, um, and and Brian Danielson is going going to do a G one climax style <laughs> tournament that's going to start next week with a broken orbital bone recovering. I guess so. What do you have? It's uh, I mean, I I think they've they have not had the most efficient use of talent, I would say, um, but they clearly they've they've been unfortunate in terms of injuries. It seems like disproportionately, I mean, given the number of say the times that Brian Danielson has been hurt uh, alone, uh, John Moxley with the concussion, um, these have been some really it, it feels like you know disproportionate injuries, and I don't know that that's because of anything systemic, you know, particular to AEW. Yeah. Uh, so finally, we'll look at the forecast for uh, November, uh, sorry, October, November, and December as we close out the year. Obviously, uh, October has passed by. We're midway through December, uh, sorry, November. Uh, we are, of course, full gear coming up this weekend. So, you know, how the monthly pay-per-views are performing. Um, I think the the attendance turnaround, is there going to be one that was a big topic of, and something actually we talked about the last time was, you know, they're running these very large arenas nba arenas nhl slash arenas and you know memphis was i think the the one that really kind of stood out in that you know four thousand people three five hundred people whatever it was in a cavernous building um that maybe it was good to go back to the and it looks like they have started to do this going back to the more b arenas the college arenas that fit ten thousand, something like that i mean it seems to be that seems to be the the best best approach for them. I mean, when they shoot TV, you can see and they're doing the major crowd shots. There's one half of the arena they're completely ignoring. And the, the pay-per-views aren't sellouts uh, right away anymore. You know, I don't know what the uh, the attendance is for, uh, for LA uh, this weekend, but they're running you know, a lot of shows and, and all that. But it's a, you know, I, I think that is a, something I'm looking to watch is how, how the rest of their year turns out in terms of attendance are people going and uh can what you know what type of arenas are they continue to book for 
you know, January, February and beyond. Yeah. So full gear, according to WrestleTix right now is 10,461. Okay. That's um, better. Yeah. And their collision that's happening on Friday, 3,285. Mm. Same building. So, yeah, so yeah. that'll, they'll have to congregate some people on opposite <laughs> the hurricane for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, that's tough. I, I guess like this has felt like a, and, and the, the call that that's about to happen, it, it feels like the most embattled the content has been at this time relative. I mean, there's obviously been talent issues or mostly surrounding CM Punk drama in the past that have been, that feel, feel more negative then maybe this feels but this is a new thing because it's related to the content the content i think has been been uh brightly criticized in the last couple months um and i think that raises questions about what is aw's brand identity and it feels like in this quarter and a little bit after aw's brand identity has become less clear and it probably wasn't that clear in the first place to me um and I just don't know if if Tony and AEW, which are the same thing, mm-hmm. feel that it's important for a, for AEW to be different than WWE. And this is all couched with the problem that WWE became better. Well, it became more popular than it was when AEW started. And there's kind of an inverse relationship, I think, because AEW is the, the, the answer to a problem. You know, uh, it was it was solving the WWE problem. Um, and as long as Vince McMahon remained in control of creative, uh, that problem was going to stay there. And as he's become less involved, if we believe the reports from Sports Illustrated and others that Ari Emanuel has made, you know, has made sure that Paul Levesque is fully in control and Vince will help with the TV deal. He won't be a part of that creative process. Um, then. And if that, that's true, and if that continues to be the case, then W is probably going to continue to be about as good and about as at least as popular as it is now. Um, and it's not, there isn't a problem as much for, for AEW to solve. And now I say all this, and, and AEW is going to be fine. I think their, their business metrics are going to stay at least at the level that they're at now, which is a depleted state relative to where they were before. But they're probably going to be okay. They're probably going to get a new TV deal that's a very good TV deal for them. They're probably going to end up profitable, you know, I don't know three years from now or something like that when they get a better TV deal. Um, but I don't know, you know, the, the, this, I guess, you know, fantasy that maybe I had too, is that, that, that AW could become as popular as WWE uh, and could really compete with it even more. Uh, that seems to be a faded memory now that, you know, and, and that was completely, I think, dependent on WWE being, <laughs> being bad and turning mm-hmm. off fans and turning off talent. And that's getting healed, and that that process is being reversed. Um, so, I think it would be important for them to to differentiate themselves from from WWE, so that they're not just the second brand; they're they're actually a different flavor of content. Yeah, I think it's a, a great point that it is the product, at least. And I know we're talking about uh, not the last few weeks, but it, in recent months, it has felt more. WWE like, and I don't know if that's the influence of Mike Mansouri, who was a higher up with WWE production. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, you know, I think that it is the amount of former WWE talent. You know, sometimes you see these these shots, and you're like, wow, none of these people were here 
a year ago. And it's like, you know, Renee Young talking to uh, Chris Jericho was obviously there forever talking to, uh, to Soraya, talking to uh, um, somebody else. And then it's just like, Oh, it's WWE, you know, you, and you just look up and down the, up and down the the road and it's former WWE talents. You know, they brought back Paul white, uh, the, the podcast booth for this thing last night. And, you know, it's one of the other things that I, I keep thinking about with in relation to like ring of honor. I, I think that ring of honor should turn into a development group, just like NXT is for WWE, where you have a distinct level that your that talents here are trying to get to and that they're trying to get to, you know, the main roster, so to speak. I think that's a, that's the thing they're missing where they can develop young talent and with, without putting a, a huge spotlight on them. I think that's, I think that's something they're missing and, you know, they keep having to bring in people from the outside. I think it's a, to me, I think that's an opportunity that they could uh, take advantage of instead of saying goodbye to some of these younger talents because they just don't have the spots for them. Maybe find a place for them to work in an environment like a like a Ring of Honor, which instead of being positioned as an equal to AEW, can be positioned as something else. I know Tony Khan, I think, because his affinity for the past, doesn't want to do that, but would that be the worst legacy for ROH in 2023, 2024? I don't think so. I think that's what it is. I mean, that's that's what it's functioning as, right? I mean, they they have, you know, wrestlers with less experience there. And they have a, a lot of wrestlers who are very good and very well established and have years and years of experience in, in WWE and elsewhere uh, who are there. But I think that's, you know, I think if you ask Tony, he would say, no, it's not developmental. But it's, I think it's developmental. But still, um, I mean, but you look at MJF and Adam Cole are tag team champions. True, a Kingston's true. the top champion. I just, I think it's a, a it should be a full push into true developmental and some of these younger talents that we'd never see on, on AEW that that's their kind of the featured focus there. That, that'd be my, my, I would love to see them do that. Cause I think that would help. Uh, it's just a, there's a, there's an anticipation when certain talents are going to get called up from, you know, from NXT to any, uh, to WWE, there's certain, uh, you know, crossovers you get and things like that. I think there's a, an opportunity to kind of model that if you're going to, if you're going to chase WWE or try to be like them, I think that's a, that's something that's just glaring that, I think it'd be a big opportunity for them and uh, could help out long-term. Yeah, I think so. Overall, I think I'm not optimistic about the future for, for AW. Now, as soon as I say that, oh my God, is AW dying? <laughs> I'm, I'm not optimistic that things are going to get much better. They're still going to be fine. I think, I think they're still going to get a good TV deal. They'll still probably become a profitable business. So I'll be worth it for, for Shad in the end, I think. Um, but I'm not optimistic that there's going to be a real course correction or or a, a defining of what AEW's identity is differentiated from WWE um, in a strong sense. I, I just don't see that sort of discipline being exhibited in AEW to to define what our what our identity is and and to to, to make clear we want to do things a certain way. And if anything, over time, um, I think AEW has become more you know p- people from outside of WWE uh, have, have have come in and, and and gotten their jobs and and they want to sustain their jobs and they that doesn't necessarily mean um, making this different from WWE. This means making it um, a place where I can continue to have a job and maybe people who I want to work with can continue to have jobs. It's become sort of uh, it affected by what I think is sort of this overall multi-decade malaise of. Of pro wrestling in the United States that is largely driven by the vision of Vince McMahon that has influenced 
you know, hundreds of, of other people who have had full-time jobs in the business who have, who have talents and, and who have a lot of knowledge, but want to do things in a certain way that sort of without them even thinking about it inherently makes this product more like the leading product that, that they should dif- differentiate themselves from. Right. Good points. All right. Uh, so before I let you go, obviously I will, I'll begin the plug for WrestleNomics and uh, see what you want to fill in after that. Of course, I'm a WrestleNomics subscriber. $5 a month gets you access to the Patreon where you can get exclusive podcasts with Brandon Thurston and Jesse Collins and uh, Chris Scullo every single Sunday. One time it's a comedy week. comedy podcasts. Comedy podcast, really. Comedy, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Great, a lot great of, jokes. A lot of yucks. People, I mean, you guys nonstop laugh so much that uh, sometimes it's hard to kind of get the information out, especially Jesse just rolling in his chair, laughing. It's, it's, it's incredible. Has he, uh, has he been laughing at my jokes more? No, no, unfortunately no. he hasn't. No. Um, sometimes his, uh, his microphone tends to scratch against his, I don't know, his shirt or something like that. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and sometimes he kind of disappears and things like that. But uh, you know, maybe you need Mike Mansori to come in and, and, and run your production. I don't know. That, that's what we need. That, that's what Jesse needs. He needs more W production to help him with, <laughs> with his issues. He does. But uh, good stuff every, every single weekend, uh, every single Sunday, once a month, uh, free, uh, free, uh, yes. a free show for those that may have never tried it. You can see it on, uh, watch that on YouTube. And of course, your uh, exclusive reports that you do when ratings come out, um, when there's interesting deals, like we talked a lot about the Panini deal, uh, the settlement with the WWE and uh, other things like that. Uh, how did I do with the plug so far? That's fantastic. You're such a professional. I don't know. S- sign up to the thing. It's $5 a month if you want it. You can do a free trial too now too. That's new. You oh, that's seven, right. Yes. You do a seven-day free trial. That was my unimportant announcement uh, that yes. I hyped up a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, there's TV ratings reports and there's other stuff like what we do support it check it out appreciate it yep there you go all right brand well thank you for, thank you much well i'll talk to you and you know just, or hear you just a little bit on the uh, big tk uh full gear conference call and then uh we'll talk to you again at some point hopefully uh january or february or so we'll do the q4 and uh maybe look back the full year interview and, and uh, kind of go from there and see uh, an annual see- report annual report that's right oh i gotta get the uh gotta get the people started working on that huh the back office yeah the 10k we gotta get the 10k ready you gotta get the ir people together on that exactly yeah all right brandon well thank you very much oh, and you can follow you on twitter as well sure <laughs> brandon thurston just search for him uh, i don't think he's on tiktok but uh, i mean who knows oh i'm on out of russell Alex is on tiktok okay yeah. gotcha yeah we have so, like 20 followers check it out uh, so you're not just dancing with the the ratings and things like that you know that type of stuff yeah, no not yet. not yet all right all right we'll see we'll see all right brandon thank you so much okay thanks josh That concludes our call today. You may now hang up.